Hey, good morning. Good to see you today. Everybody doing all right today? I heard one morning. Somebody's here. Hey, it's good to see you. Um, with the rain we've had, you guys ought to be just jumping up and down for joy, I think. But anyway, it's good to see you today. Um, spaghetti lunch. I don't know if you're visiting here with us today, Parmesan bread, garlic bread. But I don't know why I keep saying that stuff. It may be because I, there's a smell when it came through the door that just says, go to the fellowship hall after church. Um, today, our kids that are going to preteen camp, they are working. Um, and here, in fact, here comes some of them. They just got done working to get this dinner set up. So if you'll come after lunch, just go into the fellowship hall. Um, there's also to-go orders. If you thought, well, I wasn't, I wasn't planning on staying. I have other plans. You can grab a to-go order today. And all the money that's raised by this Centrakid uh, fundraiser goes to help our kids go to camp this summer. So I do want to encourage you to do that. Um, also, just a few other things. Um, if you're interested in going to preteen camp, make sure you talk to Jerry. Um, Jerry's not in here right now because I think he's still working over in the fellowship hall. But if you're interested in going, notice there's an age limit. If you're above sixth grade, you can't go. If you're under third grade, you can't go. But if you're falling in that, spot, in that uh, slot, then you're able to go. Just go talk to Jerry. Um, also, Vacation Bible School, uh, it's coming up on May 31st to June 1st, 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 hey, whatever number you want to put in there, May 31st to June 4th, 5.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. It's for incoming kindergarten through incoming 7th grade students, and if you're interested, it would really help us if you would wait till the very last possible moment to register. That's what you want, Carrie, for everybody just... Last possible moment to register. That way we have no ideas. No, really. If you, could, if you could register your kids online at our website, CherokeeBaptistChurchTX.com, we'd sure appreciate it. I think that's all I need to say in terms of announcements today. Anybody else got some announcements we need to make at this time? You guys are awfully quiet. All right. Well, I want to read for our call to worship today. From 1 Peter chapter 1, I'm starting verse 13. Peter writes, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Let's pray together. Father, we know that you are present here with us. Nonetheless, we pray that you would manifest your presence here with us. That we would not only know cognitively that you are everywhere, but that our hearts, our souls, our our bodies could know that you are here in our presence. We pray that you would purge in us right now anything that would detract from any worship of you today. For you are a God who is worthy to be worshipped in spirit and truth with all that we have. Help us to focus our heart's attention and our mind's affection on you to give you the worship you deserve. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and worship together.
do what you want to in us today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. If all the children will come down. something this morning let's um let's see Jaden will you be my helper you don't have to really do anything okay I I want to tell you some things about Jaden that um I hope you can believe because y'all all know Jaden right okay well Jaden likes the color blue can you believe that okay it's I mean, it's possible, right? It may not be his favorite color, but um, he probably likes the color blue. Uh, Jaden also likes ice cream. Do you believe that? I, that's pretty believable because most everybody likes ice cream. It may not be his favorite food. Um, Jaden, here's something else that you may not know. Jaden has the power to heal people of all their sicknesses. Do you believe that? Yeah. You don't believe that? Why not? Because no human being can ever do that. Well, right. And he's just an ordinary kid like you guys, right? He grew up right here in Cherokee. He probably plays with you guys. But you know what? There's... Um, when, when Jesus lived, um, he lived in a town called Nazareth. And it's just a little town, kind of like Cherokee, I guess. But he went away to a town called Capernaum. Let me show you. Come here and look on my Google Maps. Y'all come up here closer. Y'all see this map right here? Right here at the bottom of this blue line, that's Nazareth. That's where Jesus was from. That's where he grew up. And right here at the top of the Sea of Galilee is Capernaum. It's only like 30 miles away. It's a real windy road, but that's how Jesus went to this town called Capernaum. And when he was up there, he was doing all kinds of crazy, wild miracles. He was healing people. Um, and word got back to Nazareth, and they said, eh, no way, he's just one of us. He's just a hometown kid. No way did he do these things. And uh, Jesus himself said that uh, a prophet never is recognized in his own hometown, and that's what happened to him, even though he performed amazing miracles. And so I'm just wondering, if we lived in Nazareth back then, would we have believed that Jesus had done those wonderful things? Or would we have said, like we said about Jaden, no way, he's just a hometown kid. He couldn't do those things. Well, Jesus did. And John the Baptist came ahead of time to tell people, who Jesus was and the Holy Spirit comes today into our hearts to tell us who Jesus is and what he has done let's pray Father we just thank you Lord that um, you've given us the Holy Bible that we can read uh, from its pages about the truth of who Jesus is we thank you for the Holy Spirit that uh, without him coming into our heart and changing our hearts, we don't even have the faith to believe. But, Father, help us 
even when other people refuse to believe who Jesus is and what he has done, help us, Father, to always be faithful and true. In his precious name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. God is not dependent on me and my faithfulness for your salvation. But God, you, you cannot deny yourself. And because of that, we can trust. And so God, as we sing this next song, we, we want to say to you that every crown on earth, above the earth, under the earth, it all belongs to you. And so we worship you.
speak to our hearts today and do among us what you want to do. In the name of Jesus alone we pray. Amen. You may be seated. If you would please take your copy of God's Word. Turn to Matthew chapter 7. This morning we'll be in Matthew chapter 7 verses 15 to 23. I want to bring a message to you this morning. It's entitled, You Will Recognize Them by their fruits. Matthew chapter 7 verses 15 through 23. I encourage you to stand for the reading of God's word. <coughs> Excuse me. Matthew chapter 7 verses 15 through 23 and this is God's word. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness." Let's pray together. Father, this is a difficult text. Not because the truth is unclear, but precisely because it's very clear. There's no space for black or for for gray. It It is black and white. I pray, Lord, that you'd speak this morning through your servant. And that words uh, match your heart and your message for us today. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. First Timothy chapter 4. Second Timothy chapter 4. Paul writes in verses 1 through 5. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Paul has a stern uh, exhortation for Timothy to say that people may want uh, a particular kind of message because their ears itch for it. They won't endure sound doctrine. What Paul is intending to uh, communicate to, to Timothy, and even more so to Timothy's church is that those who have itching ears often don't want to hear sound teaching and their hearts become hardened. This morning's sermon is not for itching ears. And just to echo what the the Bible says in the message to the churches, the letters to the churches in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. In this morning's text, there are three warnings. The first warning is simply this. Beware false prophets. You might ask the question, what false prophets? In fact, some of you, um, I know, use a, a different translation than what I read from. I use the English Standard Version to preach from on Sunday mornings. Some of you are, use the New American Standard. The New American Standard is about as literal a contemporary 
uh, translation as you'll find. It's great for Bible study. If you're into serious, serious Bible study, um, it is a fantastic translation. Not that the other ones are bad. But in the New American Standard, it says, Beware of the false prophets. As if to say, now that reflects the Greek. I just want you to know that. And because the ESV and other translations leave it out, doesn't mean they're bad translations. It just means that there's a translational decision made there. It's Jesus talking about a specific group of false prophets. And if that is the case, the false prophets would probably be the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders. But if it's just, if, if the ESV is correct in leaving out the word the, to where it simply says, beware of false prophets, then Jesus is referring to false prophets in general. That broadens the message. However, I want to be a little bit more specific about how Jesus perhaps is broadening that message. If He's referring to false prophets in general, then He's referring to anyone who claims to speak to God's people on God's behalf about how to live truly conformed to God's Word. Jesus says, first rattle out of the box in verse 15, beware of false prophets. That raises the question, why? Why should we beware these false prophets? They are deceived deceivers. They are deceived deceivers. First, the word deceived. Why are they deceived? Well, first of all, notice in the text it says, Beware of false prophets who come to you. Uh, did a prophet um, establish himself and his office? Did he come on his own authority? No. These prophets that I think Jesus is talking about, whether it's in a specific group or a wider, more general audience, uh, is people who have not been sent to God's people. Now God says through the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, <clears throat> talks about uh, the gifts that God gives to His people, the church. Ephesians 4 verse 11, And He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, so the measure of the, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You notice in there, they are gifts. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers. Those that are gifts of God don't come on their own authority. They are sent by God and vested with particular authority. These deceived deceivers are ones that are deceived and that they feel as though they have been sent to God's people in order to speak on God's behalf. The second way that they are deceived is that they believe that they truly know God. Twice in, in the verses uh, 21 through 23, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Again, he makes a similar statement. On that day, will, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Then I will, de I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. They're deceived because they believe they truly know God. The third reason they're deceived is because they believe that they truly are doing God's will. They believe they are truly doing God's will. That they are, as the text so often emphasizes, seven times in the text it mentions bearing fruit. And these deceived deceivers believe that they are bearing good fruit. So they're deceived. But they're also deceivers. Remember that a prophet in the Old Testament times, and even as we think of it in New Testament times as well, a prophet would be someone who could speak in a foretelling way. In other words, Jonah said, 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. He was speaking the message that God had given to him, and, and unless Nineveh had repented, they would have been truly overthrown. 
Jonah was foretelling what was going to happen. But I think here Jesus is not speaking in those terms about prophets. He is speaking in the terms of a prophet being foretelling. In other words, there is godly truth that must be shared. And that godly truth, that biblical truth, must be adhered to. It must be received as truth. It must be adhered to as truth. So, these prophets are deceived and yet they deceive others. How do they do that? The text tells us, verse 15. It says, Who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. I'd always thought before, and perhaps this is a perfectly good interpretation, uh, to think... To imagine a wolf that went to a costume shop and, and bought a sheep costume and put it on and parades around. But I think this better fits what Jesus is trying to say. And I, I didn't come up with this on my own. This comes from John MacArthur, I think a very trusted source. He says the sh- that, that the picture in view here is the prophet as shepherd. The, the man of God, so-called, as shepherd. And what does it, from where does a shepherd get his clothing? From the sheep. And he wears that clothing and he gives, he gives the impression to the sheep, and it's a right impression, that he truly is a shepherd, their shepherd. But Jesus says here, they dress like shepherds, these false prophets, but truly they are wolves in sheep's clothing. These deceivers, they have the wrong interpretation of God's Word. In fact, if Jesus is talking here about the Pharisees, they created this wall of laws around the Old Testament to help people to to keep away from doing wrong, uh, transgressing, transgressing God's law. But also it could apply that if someone comes in the name of God and presumes to speak on behalf of God that the scripture they're using is just out and out wrong in its interpretation, which you would understand would lead to a wrong application. If the, in, if the interpretation is wrong, then what people are going to be hearing is, this is the way I need to live. And then furthermore, these deceivers would apply, um, they would have wrong expectations of those who follow them. So if a person comes and they don't have the authority that God gives, they, are, they come on their own authority, um, they believe they're doing God's will, they believe they know God, they, they come in the clothing of a shepherd, so to everyone they look like a shepherd, but yet they have the wrong interpretation, the wrong application, and the wrong expectation, then here's what's true. They pose a great danger. Jesus calls them ravenous wolves. I think wolves get pretty large. And when they're hungry, they can do a lot of damage. A good shepherd, a, not a false prophet, a true prophet, someone who has truly been sent by God is not a ravenous wolf. They, this good shepherd leads the sheep toward good pasture and protects them from danger. Jesus is saying the false prophets that you are to beware If you follow them, they will guide you toward destruction and a false sense of security. That's why he says avoid them. Jude echoes what Jesus says here in chapter 7. Talking about false teachers that he's addressing in this letter. False teachers found in the church. He says in Jude verse 12, These are hidden reefs at your love fests, feasts as they feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead uprooted, wild waves of the sea casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. These false prophets, these deceived deceivers, they pose a great danger to God's people. Jesus even says further in Matthew chapter 24, verse 24, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. This is why Jesus is so serious. 
he understands that it is possible for the elect to be led away through a false prophet. So these false prophets, how do we recognize them? Jesus uses that exact word. You will, verse 16, you will recognize them by their fruits. You will recognize them by their fruits. Now, these false prophets, what makes them such a great danger is that they give appearance of being good trees that bear good fruit. In the text, Jesus says, they prophesy, they cast out demons, they do many mighty works, all of these things done in the name of God. Now, if we were to stop right there and think, Jesus, I, I, I don't know what you're on about here because aren't these good works? Isn't it a good work to prophesy? Yes, amen. Isn't it a good work to cast out demons? Absolutely, praise the Lord. Isn't it a good work to do many mighty, and mighty there means supernatural, glorifying of God. Aren't these good works? Absolutely, yes. Then the question becomes, what is the problem? Notice what Jesus says in verse 16. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? What he is saying here is that these good fruits that you see, that these false prophets are actually doing, they are like grapes and figs that have been artificially attached to thorn bushes and thistles. It's it's real fruit, but it's been attached to something that doesn't bear fruit. And the mere presence of these good fruits could lead observers to think that if this fruit is good, then this is what a good tree looks like. So notice what Jesus is telling us to do. He's telling us to inspect the fruit closely. Now remember, we're not too far removed from verses 1 through 6. Where Jesus, we love to say, hey, judge not, that you may not be judged. That's not the point of the text. The point of the text is to not be censorious, to set yourself up as an authority. It's not a call to close your eyes and to be blind to sin that's going on around you. So therefore, this proximity of the proximity of this text to the text on judging, there's a connection here. We must judge fruit. Jesus helps us to understand here, and it goes all the way back to Genesis, fruit trees bear fruit according to their kind. If you attach a fruit to a tree, does that make it a fruit tree? Well, obviously not. If you attach apples to a sycamore tree, I have one of those out back of my house. If you attach apples to that sycamore tree, does it change that sycamore tree into an apple tree? Not at all. Have you ever eaten a sycamore fruit pie? Doesn't that turn your stomach? It just sounds perfectly awful. Those, that stuff, we used to put that down people's... There were kids at my school that used to put that stuff down people's shirts. If you were to eat that stuff, it would be awful. Another thing I think Jesus wants us to understand is that fruit may look good, but actually be bad. We love apples at our house. A lot of times we'll put them in the refrigerator because it helps them to last longer. And you can pick up that apple, and and some people, you may not be as picky, but I like for an apple to be crisp, not mealy. That mealy's gross. I hate that. Make applesauce out of it. That's fine. I don't want a crisp apple. So it can look good on the outside and actually be bad on the inside. So this, is, I think, is Jesus' point about the good fruit that's been artificially attached to thorn bushes and thistles. There's the bad fruit of religion or religiosity. You understand what I mean by that? Jesus says about the Pharisees, you've heard it said, but I say to you, because the Pharisees would teach a particular way of adhering to God's righteousness. Jesus says that looks good on the outside, but it's not good on the inside. They look religious. They have this air of religiosity, but on the inside they are bad because they don't do the will of the Heavenly Father. That's where their fruit is missing. They have turned to the traditions of men rather than holding firmly 
to the Word of God. And again, here we see an emphasis on whole person righteousness. Jesus does is not merely okay with us just having an air of religiosity and being good boys and girls. He wants all of us. Righteousness that comes from the inside out, connected with the Father. Jesus makes a conclusion. If the fruit is bad, then the tree is bad. Now I want to tell you something. If you care about this church, you need to inspect my fruit. I believe that with all my heart. If you care about this church, about Christ's church in Cherokee, Texas, you need to inspect my fruit as your pastor. Here's why. If I just have an air of religiosity about me and there is no real fruit, guess who your leader is? Someone who will probably lead you to religiosity, and bearing bad fruit. Furthermore, let's say that that the fruit is good, but it's lacking in this area. What if I, I you inspect my fruit and everything's great, but I don't lead us in doing the will of God? Would there be a point, and I pray that there would be, that you would say, Pastor, you either need a growth plan or you need a new job. It's that serious, the leadership of our church, that it's moving in the right direction and moving us in the right direction. Enough about that. Moving on and hopefully speeding up some. That took a while. Second warning, false prophets, beware. False prophets, beware. Why? Because God's not deceived by your false fruit. People can be sincere in their religious practice and yet still be sincerely deceived. People can be sincere in their religious practice and still sincerely deceive others. But God's not deceived. He looks at the fruit to determine if the tree is healthy. Every tree that does not bear good fruit, Jesus says in verse 19, is cut down and thrown into the fire. Jesus is not the only one who has said this. John, when he he was baptizing in the wilderness, people came to him. And Jesus and, and John says to the scribes and Pharisees, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown to the fire. The false prophets need to beware because God is not deceived by their false fruit. In fact, they are in grave danger. I, I can't stress this enough again that you as a church have high expectations for the, the, the man who leads this church. Not the fruit of religion or religiosity, but the good fruit of doing the will of the Father in heaven. Notice again what Jesus says when in the end of the verses, people say to Him, Lord, Lord, did we not do all of these things, prophesy in Your name, cast out demons in Your name, do many mighty works in Your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew You. Depart from Me, You workers of lawlessness." How in the world can you equate casting out demons, prophesying, and doing many mighty works in God's name as lawlessness? Because that's not God's point for His people. He doesn't just want a moral people. He wants a people on mission. And and when people become so um, closed off to the rest of the world, happy that we have our own little conclave of holiness, our holy huddle, then that's what the, the Pharisees and the scribes were like. then I think that's where Jesus is saying. They're workers of lawlessness. God gave them a law, a thing to do. And they said, we don't really want to do that. We'd rather do these things because they're a little more showy. People are going to recognize those things. But the day-to-day, everyday things of, of 
walking in faithfulness to God, being on mission for Him, that's for someone else. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 23, says to the scribes and Pharisees in His woes, I can get there, He says, uh, verse 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Listen to this. Okay, weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Now listen. Jesus says to them about their tithing, These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You see what Jesus is saying here? He says, you have a faulty righteousness. The things that you're doing are good, but you're not going all the way. These you should have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Third warning. False followers, beware. How would one become a false follower? Well, one, you could follow a false prophet. Ascribe to their belief system. Everything they tell you to do, you do. You're then, if you're following a false prophet, uh, hook, line, and sinker, you've become a false follower. But another um, way to become a false follower is by following a true prophet, claiming to know Jesus, saying, Lord, Lord, an expression of intimacy, yet failing to do the will of the Father. If there's the fruit of religion or religiosity instead of the fruit of righteousness if you would prefer to hold to the traditions of men rather than the Word of God. Or, and this is where I think we most often fail, we do what those around us do instead of doing what God clearly reveals in His will. Now you might say, Brother Shannon, you're talking about doing here. I thought we were saved by grace and not by works. In the text, the word in the Greek for do is used in various forms seven times. Fruit, seven times. Jesus is trying to get a message across. We are to bear fruit. So false followers, beware. Why? Because you're deceived. Notice what Jesus says in verse uh, 23. I never knew... Now, I know that Jesus knows the name because He created every person in the world. Psalm 139, He created every person in the world, knit them together in their mother's womb. Jesus knows every person. But that's not the same use of the word know here. It's the same kind of use as Adam knew Eve and and, and Eve conceived and she had a son. It's that kind of knowledge, an intimate knowledge. The, The point here is intimacy. Jesus says... You claim to know me, but I don't know you. So the question for us is not, do you know Jesus? But the question is, does Jesus know you? Now, how will he recognize you? By your fruit. Not by any particular um, confession that had no works that accompanied it. You're not deceived. You are deceived. Jesus doesn't know you. And therefore, you're in grave danger. You've maybe heard the name Francis Chan before. I don't know what you think about Francis Chan. Some people kind of poo-poo Francis Chan, uh, maybe reason. But he told a story one time, and it really kind of grabbed me. He said, uh, imagine if I told my daughter, Rachel, I need you to go clean your room. She said, okay, Dad. He comes back later and he says, how's that room coming? And she said, well, Dad, what we did is we got together a group of people and we took your words and we talked about them. Dad, do you know that I know the definition or or what the Greek word for clean is? I I know what what that is. You know what? We got a group of people and we're going to have a conference about how to clean my room. Rachel, is your room clean? It's not wrong to to talk about things. The problem is we have to do James 2.18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. 
Luke 6.46. Why do you call me Lord and not do what I tell you? Romans 2.13. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. Brother Shannon, we are not under law. We are under grace. Jesus said, let's not pit the Bible against itself. Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill it. And when he gave that you have heard it said, but I say unto you, he is saying, this is what you ought to follow. And it's not the hearers of those things who are justified, but the doers who will be justified. That's why James says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. In closing, I want to read one verse of scripture. Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 through 9. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky soil where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty. Some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. The Pharisees heard in the Sermon on the Mount the very best sermon ever preached. Jesus sowed perfect soil, perfect seed. But they did not have receptive soil. They walked away and they said, Jesus, that's not me. I think the greatest mistake that any of us could make today is to hear what we've heard Jesus Himself say and walk away and say, Jesus, that's not me. Let's pray. Lord God, these again have been very heavy words. It's not been a tickling ears exercise in Bible study today. It's been very difficult to preach and to hear. Father, on that note I pray that if I have said anything out of order, it does not conform to Your Word, is not good for your church, the people would immediately forget it and and that that would be replaced with clear, powerful, biblical truth. But Lord, if what we have heard today is truth, knowing that Christ is the true prophet that was sent to guide us into all truth, then this is binding upon us. Lord, I pray that there are no false prophets in, in our midst in any church any position of of teaching, leadership, any kind. But if it is, Lord, we know that it needs to be rooted out and dealt with. Lord, if there are false followers, I pray that they would not harden their hearts today, but they would receive the good seed and that it would sprout up in their lives and produce an abundant crop. That the fruit that appears in their life because of your work would demonstrate that they belong to you, that they're a healthy tree, They live for your glory. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to have a time of response. I want to encourage you. If you need to make any kind of response today, this is the time for you to do that. We're going to sing at the cross. Um, Just a few updates on prayer requests. Um, 
I should say on our prayer list, <clears throat> um, Sam is now with his daughter Leslie in Belleville, Sam Center, had hip replacement this week, if you did not know that. His address, or the address for Leslie down in Belleville, is out there on the bulletin board in the foyer. If you would like to take that address down and send him a card, I know it would be much appreciated. Um, as far as I, I, I saw Juanita earlier in the week, Juanita Johnson. Um, I have not heard anything more from the family, so I assume Juanita is, uh, is still here with us. If, if you have a chance, I know she would appreciate a visit. Um, i trying to think if there are others. Any other prayer updates or concerns that you'd like to share? Well, let's stand and have a word of prayer, and then we will say together the Great Commission. And then again, I want to encourage you, go out and go left and go into the fellowship hall and have some spaghetti. If you're on a diet just for today, just for today, blow your diet, enjoy some fellowship and some good spaghetti. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are again indeed grateful for our Savior, Jesus Christ and for the greatest sermon that's ever been preached. We pray that it takes fruit, takes root in us and bears fruit. Father, we do lift up Sam and Juanita, others that are on our prayer list, um, those that are in the hearts and minds of people right now. Pray that you would reach down and, and touch each of these folks, uh, give them a sense of your presence, and encourage them with your peace and your comfort. We pray uh, that the fundraiser would go well. Bless that food and all the hands that prepared it uh, for the nourishment of our bodies. Lord, we love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's say the Great Commission together. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You are